Hey, uh, Travis, um, how many times did you cry in Endgame? <laughs> I'm still, I'm still crying. Just a bit outside. Hello. Welcome in to the greatest podcast you'll ever hear. Yes. The growing anchor.fm just a bit outside. Harry Dole Fantasy Baseball, 10 Team Fantasy League, very own podcast. We're going to talk the week five that was. We'll look ahead to the week six that will come, and we will break everything there is to break down when it comes to fantasy baseball inside Harry Dole Fantasy Baseball. I'm Travis Akins. Welcome into the big show. We are up to 88 cents in our revenues of commercials at Anchor.fm. So welcome into the growing podcast. And let me welcome in my broadcast partner, Justin. Welcome into the big show, my friend. What's up, Travis? I'm so excited about tonight's show. I've put in about 20 to 25 hours over the last couple of days really researching and putting out first-round mm-hmm. draft grades for the NFL draft, and I'm really excited about uh, spending some time diving into what the Cowboys did this week. Uh, I think that that may be your other podcast. This uh, this one is the Harry Doyle podcast. Oh, oh so we're going to talk Basically. about how I'm on a two-game winning streak, two-game winning streak. Yes, we will talk how Los Tigres is on a two-game winning streak, joining the Aikens Army in that endeavor as well. We'll also talk the big losers of week five. But first, there's anything that goes on in this podcast, we have to start with the first pitch. Up your butt, Joe Boo. All right, Travis, first pitch. Last week, I brought you millennial douchebags, I guess is a way to put it. This week, (laughs) I'll bring you just overall probably even more horribly wrong than what we talked about last week as a recap. Last week we talked about a couple that started a meal train for themselves and requested um, the most ridiculous foods and for people to do their dishes. This has been a big week, Travis, because two huge events happened this week, probably more important than baseball, probably more important than um, life in general. Avenger Endgame was released, and then, of course, the battle for Winterfell in Game of Thrones. Now, Travis, I know you're not a big Game of Thrones watcher, but I do know that you muted Twitter because you wanted to avoid spoilers in case you ever decided well, to watch it. Uh, actually, you were annoyed by it. Uh, it's the latter. I, I am sick and tired of hearing everything Game of Thrones right now. I just, I, I tried to get into it several years ago, whenever it was. I just never did, and. Uh, so never got onto the bandwagon or anything else. And it is it is unbearable how much social media is talking about uh, winter fell and dark nights or whatever is going on in the show. And, and as someone who's not invested, yeah, I muted it. I went through and I found as many Game of Thrones references as I could and I muted them all. So my first question, does that mean that I am muted on your Twitter right now? <laughs> I, you know, you haven't popped up in a while, so maybe so. <laughs> um, second thing, tw- uh, I know, I know you, sir, are a big Marvel fan. You were, you're super excited about Endgame coming out. You went and saw it Saturday morning at nine o'clock. I went and saw it Friday night at six forty, and we did not communicate between those times, other than when I texted you and said, "Man, that was a movie." But did you hear about what Lashawn McCoy did? No. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 
He immediately went to Twitter and said, rest in peace to one of his homies that was on the movie. We're not going to get into spoilers here in case anybody in our 10-person league hasn't seen it yet. But LaShawn McCoy did that, got flamed on Twitter. As he should. I, I saw another tweet that said, as we're sitting there at Studio Movie Grill enjoying our pre-show nachos, some b-word through the door open and yelled the ending no. into the theater no way <laughs> that, into your theater not into the theater i was in i just saw a tweet that said that i oh. i made it through the whole thing without anything getting spoiled but i saw a tweet that read that someone threw the door open oh. and yelled the ending into an into a full theater before the the opening scene rolled that honestly makes makes my stomach churn i that I hate hearing that stuff. That and back in high school, you remember when Six Sense came out, and you remember the, and the big ending, and it was such a unique and unheard of ending. Uh, a girl in high school, literally in class, I, I say something like, "I'm going to go see Six Sense this week," and she turns around and and tells me he's dead. The entire movie ruins uh, the whole thing. I remember that movie because for some reason our media tech teacher thought it was something we should watch in class. <laughs> Andrea Grimes, I'm going to always remember you for ruining Sixth Sense. So when things are spoiled for you, Travis, we're talking about spoilers, obviously. When things are spoiled for you, you just said your stomach turns. Yeah. And there's almost like a bit of anger that builds up, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Like you're mad. You're like, why would you do yeah. that? You took the joy from me. Mm-hmm. Well... I would like to tell you about some social social justice warriors out there in Hong Kong. <sighs> Fans had been waiting over an hour and a half for them to open the, the doors for them to walk in. When the movie before released and everybody was coming out, people had been sitting there because they didn't go to a reserve seats like, uh, you know, first world problems. Um, <laughs> And as the people walked out of the theater, there was one gentleman who opened up his mouth and spoiled mm-hmm. the entire movie. As I can't believe this happened. It was so cool that blah, 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 blah happened. And the man got beaten <laughs> down. <laughs> uh, you know what? I, I, I think that's appropriate. That is appropriate punishment right there. Three men jumped him and beat the crap out of him. There's a picture on the internet of this wow. man getting attended to by a paramedic with blood all over his shirt. And uh, yeah, so if That's we take a- anything away from the first pitch today is just keep your mouth shut. Just be quiet. Just be quiet. Just Sorry. <laughs> oh, it's cool. Just be quiet. But one thing we can't be quiet about is the big story and also Vlad Watch Day 4. Yes, I'm still new to controlling the board. The big story of week five, just a bit outside. Big story week five is we have a what we thought to be surely you and I both. We we took up precious just a bit outside podcast time to talk about this in the early offseason episodes and the early goings of 2019 we gave this owner a lot of props. We gave him grade A plus off season, and we are getting duds out of this team in 2019. Yes, of course, we are talking about the losing six shooters, Brady's very own six shooters, 
2019 has not been kind five weeks in. Six shooters sit at one and four, the worst record in Harry Dole fantasy baseball. They're at the very bottom of that Pedro Serrano division. They are on the biggest losing streak of the season by any team. Three straight games now into their losing streak. And Justin, for all the props we gave the six shooters, that revamped offense we thought would be uh, powerful enough to carry them, that has not been the case so far. Well, I think if you look down up and down the lineup, um, it started with the injury to Stanton, and then it followed up with what seems to be a about a week and a half long, is he hurt, is he not hurt, is he going to play, is he not going to play, that's actually landed Anthony Rendon on the bench for week six. And then the Paul Goldschmidt, Anthony Rizzo, both of them are putting up good points, but it's that outfield. Without Stanton out there, um, you're looking at 51 points total on the season from Puig, and you're looking for 59 from Castellano, or however you say his name. But another big spot is he's paying $13 to Brian Dozier, and Dozier is just not putting up the. He's not putting up obviously 13 points worth. He's barely putting up a dollar 99 points worth. It's just I think when we looked up and down at this thing, we thought, man, with that outfield, he's going to be rolling out there. Plus his utility spots, either going to be Goldschmidt or Rizzo. Um, the surprise of the teams, Domingo Santana with 104 points so far through this uh, this point of the season, which was a guy he was looking at trading. It's just, I mean, it's just not it's not stacking up the way we envisioned, but he's also just kind of run up against some bad luck with a couple Pretty big injuries. Yeah, six shooters find themselves, again, five weeks into a 22-week campaign. So, yes, it's still early, but it, we are entering into a stage of the 2019 campaign where we can uh, we can look at some of these things and say, okay, you know, yes, they're small samples, but they are samples enough. And six shooters find themselves on the offensive side, uh, seventh in the league uh, with their offense. And, you know, guys like Domingo Santana and Elvis Andrews, who's having a fantastic early go of 2019, are your cornerstones when you have guys like Goldschmidt, Stanton, and Rizzo on your roster. Not what you would expect. That's probably a big reason why that offense sits at the lower tier uh, of teams in 2014. And when you get to the pitching side of things, six shooters sit right there in the middle. So this has actually been one of the more uh, brighter spots of the six shooters team in 2019, sitting at number five on pitching points so far here in 2019. And really, it's kind of a bunched up middle anyways. So six shooters is doing fairly well in my estimation and having uh, it's really found themselves where they're at, not because of pitching, but because of that offense, as you pointed out. Well, I reached out to Brady earlier today just because I hadn't talked to him much. I knew he was taking a test as he gets ready to go into his master's program at TCU and just kind of reached out to see how his test went, but also to say, I, I literally said, Brady, how the hell are you one in four? Yeah. And uh, his response, I think, word for word was, man, I got hoed a couple weeks. I put up a lot of points and I should have won every I would have won every other game. But the one I was in and it's that's part of fantasy baseball. It's part of fantasy sports. You may put up huge weeks and 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 lose because your team didn't put up as many as the other 
team. Obviously, that's how it works. Points, winner, loser. That was a great point I just made there. But um, it has happened to him a couple times in the first couple weeks. I also think he's kicking himself because he knows that he had people reaching out, looking at players like Jerks and Profar, and uh, not that he would probably trade Domingo Santana, but um, he had people reaching out to him, looking at trades early in the season for some of these names that started so hot that have kind of fallen off. Jerks and Profar on the podcast two weeks ago, we were praising him for that contract of 350. That if he keeps playing like he's playing right now, 350 is a steal for the next two years. But again, 50 points through the through six weeks so far, five weeks so far, finds Jerks and Profar parked down in the reserves, not starting lineup this week for um for Brady. So Travis, moving forward for Brady, if you're just looking at it up and down, um, what he's got now, what he needs, what, if you're Brady, what are you looking to do? Are you just kind of riding the storm, waiting for it to settle? Or are you out there making phone calls or text messages, trying to find a couple spots to fill in some points? I, I think the answer is yes to both of those. I, I think obviously this league is active and we're going to talk some trades again. We've had three more trades heading into the week six. Uh, so, you know, our league is active and there are owners who are out there willing to discuss trades. And so, yeah, I think I think you, you're you're insane if you're not paying attention to that and exploring those kinds of opportunities. And as Zach has mentioned in the in the text group a couple of times, you know, you got to You got to swing. You got to take big swings and see what happens. And so I think that's got to be a part of it. Now, the other side of that coin is. I think the six shooters have a again on the digital paper they have the the players there for a a good offense. You, you Goldschmidt and Rizzo and Stanton, you know those kinds of guys who can anchor that offense. You know uh, they're there, and yes, so we're we're five weeks in. We have seventeen to go for the regular season. There's going to be some kind of balancing out. Uh, Goldschmidt. Uh, is having a good 2019 campaign. He's got a, you know, by catcher standards, he's got a really good catcher in Molina there. So there's a couple of positions that seem to be sealed up. Andrews, even if Andrews just levels off and has an average season, he's going to still be a really good shortstop in fantasy, especially at this time of year for him. So I, I think the pieces are there. There's There's got to be a little worry with Rizzo and any Chicago Cub at the moment, a little worry with Profar, how does he kind of endosure, as you mentioned? But there are pieces there that can make that up, I think. And so, yeah, you explore, but I don't know if panic is is what you want to do either five weeks into the season. I definitely think there are pieces there that if he did shop, he could move. Yeah, sure. Um, I think I think once Stanton comes back and is and inserted back into that starting lineup, um, That'll, that'll be a boost right there as long as he can produce. But he does have that dual threat third baseman option. Jo- Josh Donaldson actually looks really good coming off of you know a pretty lackluster 2018. And then Anthony Rendon, I, there's no way Brady's trading Anthony Rendon with a $2 contract, how easy that is to extend and have him as a top third baseman again next year. But at some point, maybe he looks at shopping Josh Donaldson or maybe he looks at shopping – some of these other names, I don't know about the big contracts he signed this year. Not that Goldschmidt for six is a huge contract, and I think everybody's still upset about that. But I think he needs to possibly shop some of those names, see if he can get some pitching. Um, I just, I know he was big on uh, old Tukey down there from Atlanta. That didn't work out too hot for him through two starts, send him right back down. But he's got a solid, 
He's got a really nice minor league system built up that he's working on. So he unfortunately has two spots in his starting line or in his major league roster of guys that he could demote to the minors to open up some spots, but that would involve dropping a couple of these nice prospects that he's put together. One of four six shooters, part of the big story. You're listening to Just a Bit Outside. Big story part two on week five is just a bit outside. I'm Travis Akins. Justin Deering right alongside with me as three trades happened at the end of our week five scoring festivities. And so we have some roster changes that we should discuss as we head into week six. The first trade that happened uh, back on Saturday officially was Chris Bryan of Aiken's Army was traded to Colby's Beards of Glory and returned. Steven Strasburg is now a part of the Army. Secondly, we had a trade, that a big trade. Many players were involved, and Los Tigres, shockingly, was involved in this one with Blake's censored by the commis. Uh, Justin, you received Fernando Tatis Jr., Jesus Lazardo, and Mike Miner. Blake censored by the commission now has A.J. Puck, Walker Bueller, Xander Bogarts, and Colin McHugh. And finally, that third trade also involved Los Tigres, shocker, and Chris's Wichita White Wolves. You take, uh, I'm sorry, you trade Chris Davis back to the Wichita White Wolves, his owner from last season. And it looks like uh, Los Tigres will receive Kirby or did receive Kirby Yates and Hyunjin Ryu. Did I say that right? Is that the, is that the dude from Street Fighter? I think, I think that's so. That's who I thought I was getting was the Hadugan guy. Is that who well, I got? If that's who you got, you win, You won that trade for sure. Yep. So, Hadugan, awesome. <laughs> let's let's do this. Uh, we happen to be involved in these trades. We're not. We didn't trade uh, players with our teams. Uh, directly in this one, but let's let you be the expert of the Chris Bryant for Steven Strasburg trade, and then I'll break down your two trades with Chris and Blake. Well, with this Chris Bryant for Steven Strasburg trade, my first question is, if a trade happens and no one comments, does it make a sound? Because this one went down unnoticed, it felt like. It felt like it it went through and no one said a word about it. And I, I think that shows that a, no one got taken advantage of in that one. Uh, B, neither one of you went. I mean, you put up the, the you put up the alerts, and it was just dead silent for like <laughs> two days. I, that's like the first trade that we've done that wasn't um, we've had that people weren't like, "Hey, can you go ahead and execute this so we can set some lineups?" That one just like naturally actually executed itself. Like we waited the full yeah, almost 3 days before they actually went on your rosters. But on this one I see I would, you know, full disclosure, we me and you had had been talking about Chris Bryant for 3 weeks before this went down. I mean, me and you had gone back and forth on Chris Bryant a few times, and I just didn't have the pieces to draw him to my team. But the more I read about Chris Bryant and the more I've seen about Steven Strasburg, if I'm picking a winner in this one, because both of these are expiring contracts at the end of the year, both of these I do not see as players that will be extended. Both of these will be free agents in 2020. Um I feel like you came out on top of this one because all analytics, all stats, if you're like, again, I'm going to plug them again. If you're on the athletic and you're reading the athletic, they did a Chris Bryant story just a few days ago, and it does not look good um, based on just numbers and trends. 
this they are calling this season a disaster in the making for Chris Bryant. So if that's true, Travis, congratulations. Great pickup. I understand why Kobe did Kobe did this one. Not Kobe. Kobe's not in our league, but Colby <laughs> is in our league. God, I'm drunk again. Um I understand why Colby did this. He needed to fill a position at third base with he had DJ LeMayhew playing there and he was putting up good points, but the injuries that the Yankees are going through and once everybody gets healthy, DJ does not have a spot in that starting lineup. They're looking at Andahar coming back this week. So he needed a third baseman to fill that spot and it was a, a good move for both teams. But if Chris Bryant is what the numbers say Chris Bryant is, this is heavily leaning towards an Aikens Army victory on this trade. But I still love you, Colby. We all love Kobe. Now, Kobe. <laughs> now, your Los Tigers picks up a, a budding superstar in Fernando Tatis Jr. and one of the one of the uh, top prospects on the pitching side with Jesus Lazardo uh, from censored by the commission. Now, when I look at this particular trade, I see just you know, on the uh, at first glance, I see one team that is shifting gears into a 2019 focus and another team that would be Los Tigres that's willing to t- to sacrifice some of 2019 for big potential future pieces a la Fernando Tatis and Jesus Lazardo. So, you know, censored by the commish admittedly got better uh, today for 2019 when they pick up you know, potential aces and Walker Bueller, who, yes, is on some kind of inning limit that we're not exactly sure what the Dodgers are doing there, but their shortstop position got considerably better with Xander Bogarts immediately plugged into that lineup. A.J. Puck is put into that rotation. And so censored by the commission, by all measures, for 2019 got better with the sacrifice of some future pieces. And I think the same uh, it, to a certain degree, is said about uh, the Chris Davis trade. Now, in that one, you, you pick up some future pieces in Kirby and a future piece in Kirby Yates. This is again all just me looking at it, and I'll let you chime in. But Kirby Yates, who is on fire for relief pitching right now, so there is potential for future piece and extensions and everything else. What is his contract, by the way? It's three point one or something like that for this season. Okay, so but you know if if Kirby Yates is the Kirby Yates of April for the rest of the season, there's going to be a really tough decision to be made by Los Tigres on that one. And so you trade what seems to be you know not going to extend Chris Davis. You already have a big home run strikeout guy in Joey Gallo, uh, so you kind of take that piece, move it into a, a filling into a place and relief pitching, which was. It looked to be a need for Los Tigres with Kirby Yates. That seems to be my general, uh, uh, I guess, thoughts on those two trades. Is that how Los Tigres viewed these two trades? I'll start with the Tatis trade. Um, that was, I mean, you you described that one really well, but whenever I fill in, um, you know, when I fill in the lineup, I that one is... Granted, this was before he decided to try to do the splits yesterday for some reason, and who knows what he's done to his hamstring. But um, I still felt good about that one coming out of it because 
of Walker Bueller being what Walker Bueller is. I don't know that the guy is going to get a full season in. And if you scroll back, because I don't know if you know this or not, Travis, but I've become an mm-hmm. analytical genius. Um, if you scroll back to the second half of last season, he really fell off second half of last season, and he looks a lot the same this season. So I don't know if he's injured. I don't know what's going on. I don't know if he's just got the yips or if he's just not good. Um, it's just a trend that I've seen since probably about late August last year. And I was okay with getting what could be, in Blake's words, a top five in, uh, Major League Baseball player for the next five years in this trade. So I, that one, I got it. The Chris Davis trade, that one had that conversation had been going on for quite some time, and um, you know, relief pitchers in our league seem to be a flash in the pan outside of about three or four names that we see every year. And Kirby Yates very well could be this year's, you know, the Sam Dyson of the Rangers Mm -hmm. from a couple years ago. And he may give me one good year and then he may suck forever, but he's on a one year contract and, um, you know, it's points I needed picking up Ryu was points I could use in the, in the starting. Cause I, I had some starting pitchers that have been struggling, but for the most part, um, I saw an opportunity to get a starter relief pitcher and a starting pitcher that will most likely work. That start Raul will work into the starting rotation pretty regularly. I don't know if it'll be every week and send Chris Davis to Wichita White Wolves, who's dealing with a ton of injuries. And when all those injuries come back, he's going to have more hitters than he has spots. Now, knowing Chris, Chris will deal him and get other pieces that he needs, but there is a possibility of a Chris Davis sitting on the bench when Trey Turner comes back or when some of these Aaron judge comes back, some of these other spots. And I think Chris knows that. And I think the conversation we had led to that, that he said, you know, I need a spot now and who knows what will happen when everybody comes back. But do I think that I got worse through these trades? Absolutely not. Um, I think that if nothing else, I'm right where I was at before the trades made, but now I've got another young piece to build around two new, more young pieces to build around over the next couple years if Lazardo turns into what everybody in the preseason was claiming he was Nick Sinzel turns into what everybody expects him to Fernando Tatis is there and what everybody expects him to plus you know the Glaber Torres is the Andahars the Hanegers a bunch of young kids are finally on the Tigers and for the first time ever the Tigers are actually looking at <laughs> youth as opposed to just pistol whipping and buying good players so we'll, we'll see what happens well you know uh, I'm I'm just not going to be nice to you to be nice to you. I And I told you this via text. I liked the Tatis trade. I didn't like the Chris Davis trade. But the more I look at the trades together, I see how this makes sense for Los Tigers because um, Mike Miner and Kirby Yates become your two highest point pitchers in 2019 uh, yeah. immediately. And so your pitching staff, you know, for 2019 got a lot better. And then you couple that with uh, Fernando Tatis Jr., who I personally am incredibly high on, especially not just from a baseball, uh, major league baseball perspective, but from a fantasy fantasies perspective that you could have Tatis Jr. for the next five or six years, depending on how good the, the kid really gets. Um, you do have some cornerstones there. And so um, in, in a rare feat, Three trades happened in week five, and I think uh, all three of them are win-win trades for both sides. You also have to re- uh, look down there in my um, 
my DL or my uh, injured reserves down there. I'm stashing away somebody you dropped two weeks ago just to see what those first two uh, starts look like. And after start one, if he's going to do 14 and a half points, you can add Rich Hill to the starting uh, rotation the next week or so. Yeah, uh, I've always liked Rich Hill. He'll go through hot streaks, and and when he's hot, he's going to be a swing and miss kind of guy, and he's going to give you innings, which are always points, and those are good things. So that's, that's a good pickup. Post-game show is brought to you by Christ, I can't find it. The hell with it. Week five. Let's run down these games, Justin, and talk about the winners and losers of the week five, 2019. Let's begin with Van Buren boys and Beards of Glory. What a game. What a week this was for these two teams. Beards of Glory. They're hot. This is a team that is doing incredibly well as of late 300 points. The highest point watermark of week five is Colby's beards of glory defeating the, what once was and the, uh, I guess a little cocky Van Buren boys put them in their place. 300 to 269. Justin, uh, beards of glory. They, this team has really come around now. They've added a potential big bat and Chris Bryant, but that's going to be wait and see. Beards of Glory beating Van Buren boys here in week five. How did they do it? Uh, I'm just excited to be back to talking about my skill set that I feel good about, which is uh, a Van Buren boys loss. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I had to. That was that was too easy. No, I think this was um, this game was pretty close to the week, I believe. Um, I'm not going to click back through and check. But when you get 26 and a half points from DJ LeMayhew at third base for uh, the New York Yankees, uh, I think you'll, you'll you'll realize you're having a pretty good week. That infield alone put up over 100 points with Freeman, Baez, LeMayhew, and Correa doing their job. I mean, if you look down at the uh, the pitching staff, even though – as you scroll through it, you're like, oh, it's about an average week outside of Matthew Boyd, who's been a great waiver wire pickup the entire mm-hmm. season for Colby, not Kobe. Um, <laughs> but when you scroll through, you're like, oh, it's about an average week. But then you get down to the bottom and no, it was 122 points. That's an outstanding week of pitching on any squad, especially when you look at six starts. Six starts total, 120 points. Um, just a balanced attack. A little, Obviously, the, the offense side was was more, but just a, across the board, nobody really overperformed outside of Matthew Boyd, but huge, big performances, a, above average performances for the most part across the board. Just take this one home at 300 points. Yeah, and this, is, boys. and this is one of those weeks where really uh, the, the W and the L really don't tell you much about Van Buren boys because this is a good week for the Van Buren boys. They just happen to play the high watermark, the 300-point Beards of Glory. Really great pitching performance on the Van Buren boys sides, matching almost point for point the Beards of Glory with 121, just let actually less than a point away from uh, matching Beards of Glory there. But it was the offense, the Beards of Glory offense, that was just too much. But then again, you look at Van Buren boys at 148, you're not going to sneeze at 28 runs and nine home runs and 34 RBIs from your offense. And so it's just one of those weeks where 269 and a half is going to is going to get is going to keep you competitive and you're going to win more games than not uh with the with a score like that. So Justin Ebony and Ivory 
took on your Los Tigres in week five. Of course, they lost 260 to 285. Los Tigres found themselves again with a victory here and a really great offensive performance, 166 points here. And really, that offense is what made up the difference because Ebony and Ivory had a fantastic uh, pitching performance at 132 here in week five. Guys like uh, Iglesias and Hicks on the relief pitching side of things really made up the difference uh, for Ebony and Ivory and Zach's ball club here. Justin, is your offense, now that it minus Chris Davis, for instance, and you get to add in guys like Tatis Jr., is your offense going to sustain and be for real uh, in the coming weeks? I think now that we're past that little first, I guess it was three weeks, four weeks slump that we saw from Charlie Blackman, uh, we're plugging in Tatis at the shortstop, and then you know we've got some people to move around. We've got injuries coming back. I think that um, now there may be a dip, obviously, but this last two weeks, both of my wins, uh, Chris Davis hasn't really been a factor in them. So losing Chris Davis's bat, you know, last week, I think he had a, you know, two points this week. He had seven points. So nine points over my two wins. Um, it wasn't Chris Davis that was winning games. So we will see. I mean, I think it's, I think there's an opportunity there for a little bit of drop off possibly, but I mean, I don't think it's a, a, shocker to anybody when you say Chris Davis's points come in bunches he'll put up 35 in a week and then put up two the next week um but when for Ebony and Ivory I was worried because I guess it was probably Thursday or Friday we were getting really close and uh and then Chris Sale took the mound and had 18 strikeouts over the week obviously to have in one game but 31 points from Chris Sale two weeks after yep, you traded the guy week. um that's a big week for him. Maybe he's back. Maybe he's not. Who well, knows? If you're 31 Zach, points on a two-start week. Yeah. And if you're Zach. you be excited about yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. If you're Zach, you've got to be incredibly excited to see that uh, from Chris Sale and Jordan Hicks uh, on your relief side there with uh, four strikeouts, three saves, and one hold just, just for safe measure, I guess, with 23 points there. So if you're Zach, again, he has, he has put a lot of chips in with this this revamped pitching staff and it's paid off in a lot of ways and again 260 you're going to be a part of the ball games week in and week out it just so happens that the offense of los tigres was a little too much censored by the commish beat as we were talking about earlier brady's six shooters 280 to 246 and here this is just a game about offense and it was censored by the commish that took control of this game with Alzi Albies and Alex Gordon and Cattell Martin. And I'm sure, you know, Chris will let me know what names I said wrong here. Jesse Winker with 23 points to lead to help lead the way for censored by the commission. Not names you would normally think of as big as big names, but these are guys who have shown themselves to be fairly consistent so far in 2019. Well, let's, uh, if you look over the six shooters, I think it come, I mean, he kind of got jobbed in the sense that, you know, Anthony Rendon played one game all week. So prior to week five, Anthony Rendon had put up 96 total points over the entire season. So in a month, he had put up 96 points. He puts up 0.5 in one game over the last week, but does not go on the DL. So he cannot make a substitution there uh, early in the week. And then he loses Chris Archer. 
four innings into his start at negative 1.5 points. I don't want to sit and say that that's what lost it for Brady and what won it for, um, for Blake, but Blake, you know, I know it was probably Thursday or Friday when I got the text message that said it's Thursday and I have 50 freaking pitching points. My pitching staff sucks or something to that effect. But then luckily Mike Miner had his 12 strikeout uh, game for him. I guess it was either Sunday or Saturday. And then Jack Flaherty looked great through two starts. Granted, he turned around and traded Mike Miner immediately. So I'm not sure how that'll pan mm-hmm. out for him. But he does have, Blake has to worry about the amount of money he is paying Corey Kluber to put up eight points a game. But he came away with the win. So there's there is that. that. Uh, censored by the commission again over Brady's six shooters. We have Wichita White Wolves and Bolding Beavers in what was the closest game of week five. Wichita White Wolves defeat Bolding Beavers 259 to 248. So 11 point difference there. This was a close game all week. And if my memory serves me right, without clicking several buttons here, Bolding Beavers were winning most of the week, and Wichita White Wolves came uh, roaring back over the weekend, so to speak. And very close game from both sides, but you know, a very subpar pitching performance from Wichita White Wolves at 87 points, their worst of the five weeks we've had so far. But again. Uh, you can get away with that when you have 172 offensive points. Uh, not that you want to have to do that, but this team is built to to balance itself out or to tip in one side if it needs to. And and this week they needed it from their offense, and they got it. Nolan Arenado, as you mentioned, Charlie Blackman, Colorado Rockies have turned things around, having a gr- having a great last uh, seven to fourteen days here. And Cody Bellinger, the highest point gatherer of 2019 through five weeks continues to rake 36 points here in week five. And Juan Soto down there, 34 points, um, three homers, eight RBIs on the week. I mean, that's where it, I mean, that right there is over a hundred points. Uh, barely it's right at a hundred points actually for, uh, for the Wichita white wolves. I know coming off of a loss last week, the Wichita White Wolves obviously are glad to get a win this week. Like you said, Bolt, uh, Land was up for a while this week, and at 259 across the board, they would not have won a single game if it wasn't for this one. So this was like the perfect week for the Wichita White Wolves to have a down week, I guess, not to disregard mm-hmm. the 248 points that Land put up, but it was if they're going to get – if it wasn't for this matchup, they'd be looking at two-game losing streak, and those standings would look a little bit tighter over in our division. Uh, Travis, let's jump over to your matchup. It's Aiken's Army's take on the Royal Ruckus. Um, I do believe this one you were behind late in the week and came back to pull off the victory later in the week. Um, Gary Sanchez woke up 16.5 points from Gary Sanchez. He wasn't hurt, so he gave yeah. you some points. So that's great. Chris Bryant, who is now no longer with the squad, 27 and a half uh, for Royal Ruckus. It was just a really, really, really bad pitching week. Um, 56 points total for the pitching staff there. And uh, Edwin Diaz coming in with the most pitching points for him at 17. I'm sorry, Jake Arrieta, 17.5. Uh, but when 17 and 17.5 are your two highest on your total pitching staff, um, it's probably not the best 
recipe for a victory. Travis, what went right for the Army this week? Well, what went right was was the pitching. Um, you know, the offense on both sides were neck and neck. And early, this was this was a game of weekday versus weekend. And Aiken's Army, if my memory serves me right, we were not anywhere near a lead until Saturday. And and when Saturday came around, pitching came around finally and kind of started taking command and and really uh, there was no no looking back from there. And so pitching has been the story of Aiken's Army's two-game winning streak. And it's because decent pitching, now hovering around that 100-point marker, this week 104, coupled with you know a good, uh, an above-average offense, and one that as the owner of Aiken's Army with guys like Bryce Harper and Trevor Story, and uh, J.D. Martinez, and now Franco's a huge cornerstone of this offense heading forward in, in 2019. Get, get names and guys like that, I fully expect to have uh, big offensive weeks more times than not. And so, you know, adding Strasburg to the mix, I, I hope solidifies the pitching a little bit and, and just keeps it to the above average to really good weeks so that um, there's more W's in the future and a bobblehead for Aiken's Army. So with the move of Chris Bryant, it's pretty much time for everybody in the league to stop asking you if Mikel Franco's available, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, you know, because <laughs> you, finally, you finally got past your uh, Chris Bryant love yeah, and have moved on from him, which has taken the entire existence of this yes, league. It, well, Chris Bryant was an original minor league signing of Aiken's army eight something years ago. And a Chris Bryant was a part of all three of Aiken's army's uh, championship years. He was, I think injured for the middle one or maybe the first one. I can't remember exactly, but you know, he's been long time member. So yeah, that's hard. And I, I don't know if it was you or someone else I was talking to about, I, I, I talked to several teams about Chris Bryant and I said, man, it's just, I got to remember not to be sentimental because I like Chris. I, I do. I like watching him play, and um, I like the Cubs, the whole thing, and part of my Aiken's army. And so once I got past the sentimental part and realized, you know what, I have the fill-in. I have Franco, who seemingly has found a new stride here in 2019. Um, I was able to uh, pull the trigger. And, yeah, you know, offense, in my opinion, is always greater than pitching but when you need pitching and you look at two expiring contracts and there's risk on both sides of that deal you know Strasburg could go on the IL at any moment Chris Bryant could either go you know skyrocket or he's gonna stay really bad uh, for Chris Bryant standards but either way it's a it's a risk so Aiken's army so basically what you're basically what you're saying is that um he hasn't done enough for you lately, so screw him, send him <laughs> yeah, somewhere else. That's exactly what I said. Yeah, I said, you know, I got Mookie Betts and Bryce Harper and J.D. Martinez. Uh, what do I need this guy I for? I got a shiny new car. I don't need this busted old Pinto. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Get out of here. All right, let's move on to week six, Travis. Let's do a quick run through of these games. Obviously, Monday night, because of Game of Thrones, we're recording on Monday as opposed to our normal Sunday uh, night. Here's affair. another reason these I games- hate Game of Thrones. or uh, I don't hate it, but... My wife hates it because you've moved our recording time back a day, and it screw it screws up the whole the whole schedule. Oh, so yes. it's my fault. 
Cool. Just checking. I'm cool with that. Um, week six <laughs> games, top to bottom, you have the Beards of Glory, the hottest team from last week, taken on Censored by the Commish. Uh, you have Bolding Beavers taking on Aiken's Army in the family battle. Ebony and Ivory against six shooters and what could be a very close game of, uh, based on today's points at least. And then the top dog, Wichita White Wolves, going against the Van Buren boys. And finally, also the Los Tigres, my two-win Los mm-hmm. Tigres, taking on Luke and the Royal Ruckus. Travis, outside of your game, what do you think is the game of the week? Yeah, it's going to be Aiken's Army and Bolding Beavers is the game of the week for sure. Is, is that, that answer that correctly? Is that how... Uh, yeah, I said I said don't pick your game. Don't oh, pick okay. your game. Don't pick my but, game. Okay. Aiken's Army Bolding Beavers is the game of the week for sure. Did I do that right? You did it perfectly. Okay. I just uh, hope that Land shows up on the text message and talks <laughs> trash this week. I've missed him. <laughs> okay. Outside of my game, which yes, uh, Land and I are cousins, and every time we play each other, I think our teams know it, and it's always a close game. And they're are y'all kissing real. cousins? Uh, no. Okay. <laughs> Um, outside of that game, uh, from a team perspective, I want to pay attention to beards of glory. I want to know how for real is Colby's beards of glory. Now this is a, this may be an old record we've played before with beards of glory, but they're a hot team right now. And I'm curious to see if that, if that trend continues. And from a game perspective, I want to see Wichita White Wolves and Van Buren boys. Van Buren boys, uh, 2019 has been good to them so far. Wichita White Wolves reigning champions. Uh, you know, this is one of those games where really you're always circling the reigning champion on your count on, on the schedule. And uh, I want to see if Van Buren boys is measuring up here in week six against the Wichita White Wolves. I also that's the one I want to keep an eye on, obviously, um, just to hopefully see the, the Wichita White Wolves lose a game. So maybe we can tighten up those standings a little bit over there. Um, and then I'm interested to see again, Beards of Glory, if they can continue this hot streak. But also I am enjoying watching some of my old players play for other teams and hopefully continue to suck. So um, here's to Walker Bueller and Xander Bogarts having horrible weeks or <laughs> censored by the commish. Uh, Travis, before we before we wrap this up, you just said something that just made me. I have a little piece of paper that I keep notes on while we're talking. I know that's crazy professional. Um, you just said something that you uh, when you were referencing Colby's team, you said um, not to sound like an old record. Um, I have a question about that statement. It just kind of sparked an interest. Is do, you, you, do I need to clarify for Brady what a record is? Uh, it's it's like a CD Brady, but older. That's actually, it, that's a really good explanation. Yeah. Um, so you said not to sound like an old record or uh-huh. a broken record, whatever we want to say. Um, my question is when you're doing a podcast for 11 guys um, <laughs> and you're three season, three and a half seasons into the podcast, isn't every episode a broken record or an old record where we, we basically say the same crap every week um, I've, I've got the formula written out on what it is. Okay. We open with something we think is funny that no one really laughs at. And then we go into a big story that we decide five, we decide five minutes before the show starts what it is. And then after the big story, we go into a time where we, uh, go through the games and tell who won. Mm-hmm. But during that time, yeah. we usually, I will always say, I hope the Wichita White Wolves lose. Mm-hmm. You will say something about Blake, and then we'll say the Van Buren boys lost. Um, and then this time, it seems like we say 
Brady's team should be good, but they suck. Mm -hmm. Or we say, man, if Luke's team would, or if the Van Buren boys would click on all cylinders, they'd be amazing. Or Luke's team's the team to watch for. And then we go into Mm -hmm. a preview of next week where we say a lot of the same things. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Let me, let me uh, start this record up. I think you got it. Uh, that's a pretty good uh, rundown. But it's a successful, it is a successful formula, this anchor.fm podcast just a bit outside. We are 88 cents deep. We are making some change out of this. Harry Dole Fantasy Baseball, the craziest podcast because it's a 10-team fantasy baseball league for 11 guys. Don't ask me how that math works out. For Justin Deering. I'm Travis Akins. You've been listening to just a bit outside. So long, everybody. I can't believe they killed off Aquaman in Avengers. What happened to Shazam? Um, It was an app that you could listen to music.